Well, um, oh wow, it works. Good job. Okay, um, I'll let you sort the rest of that ringing out. But good morning. Good morning. I am so so thrilled to be here and uh, to be sharing with you. It's an absolute privilege, and I don't take it for granted to be bringing the word this morning. Um, for those who don't know or who are visiting this morning or who are watching online and, and maybe have not um, seen me or seen this service, uh, my name is Marty. Uh, I have a wife, Lauren, and five children. We've been going to this church for a long time and uh, we actually help lead the youth group in this church called Ignite Youth. And uh, I have been given the privilege by the pastoral team, as none of them are here this morning, uh, to bring the word. So when the cat's away, the mice will play. Um, now, last week, I think it was the first week of our series called Songs of Praise. And we're looking at how the Psalms lead us to praise. Now, a guest speaker last week named Mark Glenn, he came and he actually brought the word on Psalm 145. And the title of his message was Praising God's Greatness. Now, he also said a challenge last week, and I'm not sure who was listening or who has done that challenge. He actually asked us all to read Psalm 145 every day for six weeks. What a challenge. He said there's absolute benefit in it. Uh, it would open your eyes. I wonder how or if anyone has done or started that challenge. I do recommend it. Um, yeah, it's a great Psalm 145. Uh, this week we're looking at Psalm 40 and the title of this message for anyone taking notes is Praising God's Salvation. Week two of our Songs of Praise series, we're looking at the Psalms again. Now I do know it's school holidays so I am going to try and keep this short. I have a little bit of a surprise for the kids at the end uh, so if you can just keep colouring and maybe listening subconsciously. Uh, I've got a surprise at the end which will hopefully be similar to what Jesus did with all those parables and I'll maybe, hopefully, God willing, be able to bring some more clarity on what Psalm 40 is all about. Let's pray that to get started. God, I thank you so much uh, for this opportunity where I can bring your word. Lord, I pray that the words coming out of my mouth are your words and not mine. Father, I pray that um, in this message that we will be able to maybe get some greater understanding or some principles of how we can lead our everyday lives, Lord, and the structure that we can put in our everyday lives from this psalm that will bring us closer to you. In your name, amen. So, songs of praise. That's the series, isn't it? We're singing. In the Bible, we are encouraged and told to. There's 400 times in the Bible we're told to sing. 50 of those is actually God commanding his people to sing. So why is God commanding us to sing in the Bible so frequently? Hopefully this psalm will, again, bring greater clarity on that. And when I read this psalm, I see three obvious sections. And I was listening to uh, the music team read it this morning. I see 
that is in this psalm that we're going to pull apart and we're going to tease out and hopefully uh, you'll be able to really gain some understanding of what the psalmist David is trying to say. The first 10 verses, for example, is all about praise and worship. I'll just get you to go back to that last slide. Not quite yet. The next five are all about a request. But that request comes post-praise. And we'll be able to see very shortly that the praise that the psalmist David is his absolute offering up to God and how close and intimate he becomes to God through praise and through worship, telling God how good he is and how much he is needed. Post that praise then becomes requests. And then after those requests, David realises how much he needs God again and praises to finish the psalm. And as we look at this psalm, I pray that you see the beauty in this psalm, this song of praise. I pray that you see the valuable structure and the outline and how that can be used in our everyday lives. So, yes, if we can put that first slide up. On the left, you will see the New Living Translation. On the right, you will see the Christian Standard Bible. Now, I love the New Living Translation. This gives a, a real flow and it makes it, for me, who is not very good at English, maybe it's my second language. Um, first one is gibberish. Uh, this, <laughs> the first one is the New Living. It just gives a really good flow. It makes it easier for me to read. The right one is the Christian Standard Bible and that's the one we use at Ignite at Friday nights at Youth Group. So I love using these two and I love comparing these two. You will also see the yellow that I have uh, gone through over this week and I have um, highlighted all the bits in yellow, which is all the references to God. And then you will see green, red and pink and green and green, red and red, pink and pink are comparisons between each version and, and the different words they might use. And again, I've just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed looking at this psalm and, and pulling it apart and praying over it. And uh, I hope you guys get something out of this this morning. So let's read again this first section. So remember I said there's three sections. It's praise, then post-praise request, and then there's praise again. This is... The first of the two slides of the first section. The first section is verses 1 to 10. But let's read this 1 to 5 now. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, or the CSV says, out of the muddy clay. He set my feet on solid ground. The CSB says, on a rock. And steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. The CSB says, many will see and fear. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. 
your plans or wondrous works for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wondrous deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Or they are more than can be told. It starts off with worship, doesn't it? With praise, with thankfulness. Look at the first line of each verse again. I waited patiently for the Lord. He lifted me out. He set my feet. He has given me a new song to sing. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. Oh, my Lord, Lord God, my sorry. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders. Each verse is offering up amazement and awe and gratitude. Oh, how we would start our days, start our journeys and our adventures if we had this praise to start. Now that leads us to the next slide in this first section. Verses 6 to 8. Out of that praise, out of that intimacy, that closeness with God, God opens up an eye or God opens up a vision, a prophecy for King David to be able to see what's going to come in the future. But notice how it comes out of the closeness, out of the intimacy. David is investing into God and then God reciprocates with this prophecy. And let's look at this prophecy. And it is in blue, the first, I think it's three verses. So verses 6 to 8 in chapter 40. His prophecy says, You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand you don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. As it is written about me in the scripture, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. This prophecy comes to light in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 40 in verses 6 to 8 and applies the passage to Jesus the Messiah, saying he has said this to God. Now, I'm going to look at Hebrews 10, 5 to 9. And it says this in Hebrews 10. Don't turn there, but just listen. It says, Therefore, as it was coming, as he was coming into the world, this is Jesus, as Jesus was coming into the world, he said, You did not desire sacrifice and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, See, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. After he says, Above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifice and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law of Moses. He says, see, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So that prophecy that David was given in a time where the law of Moses was, was required in a time when 
burnt offerings and sacrifices were required to atone for sin. King David was given a prophecy which was so foreign to him, saying that actually those sacrifices, you don't enjoy them as much as you do a heart of obedience. Jesus wants our heart more than sacrifices. Now that leads us to verses 9 and 10, which is the start of our next... No, it's not actually, is it? Verses 9 and 10 is probably my favourite part of this psalm. That praise and praise and praise, that intimacy with God and therefore out of that, that prophecy that David was given leads him to the last bit of this first section of praise. And what happens when we're so in love with something, when we're so intimate with someone, maybe we're you know, just courting our, our girlfriend or we're, or we're uh, married and we can't stop talking about it. Maybe we've got a new car or a new toy. We can't stop talking about it with our mates. We can't stop bringing it up. We're so in love. Our cup is running over. And that is what's happening now in the last part of this first section. Let's read it together. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. For the CSB, I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Imagine that. It is the natural reaction to the psalmist's gratitude. An overflow, as I said, a cup running over. He can't help but tell everyone because he's so intimate and so close to the Father. He realises that everyone needs to know. He is so thankful for God's salvation. And that is our goal attitude, to be here like the psalmist is, to be here. That's our goal behaviour, so full of praise and adoration for the one who saves. We're so thankful for our salvation. Now, that actually leads into the next section which is verse 11 to 15. And as I said at the very beginning, those first 10 verses of full of praise and adoration leads him to his next bit, which is his post-praise requests. He doesn't start with these requests. He praises, 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 and out of that, he then requests. And why does he do it in that order? I feel that after his praise, 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 he realises that he needs God. He realises that he has a yearning and a desire because he can't do it on his own. He knows where his salvation comes and that's why he starts to request from the one who saves. And let's read it together. So verse 11 to 15 in Psalm 40. Lord, 
Don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Aha! We've got him now. Out of the attitude of praise, he then requests. You know, a heart of worship and praise leads him to request from his Saviour. You know, we all have needs in our lives. We all have stuff going on. We have seasons. Laura and I were talking about it through the week, about seasons. And at the moment, we're in the middle of winter. And I look out at my pool at home. We're blessed to have a pool at home. And I look out from my bedroom window and I see the pool. And I cannot imagine going for a swim right now. I can't imagine. I'm like, there's no way in the world that anything could convince me to go for a swim right now. I can't imagine what it would feel like to have summer again where it's so hot. It's 40 degrees outside and it's so hot, you just have to be in that pool. When the sun is so hot, you've got to be in the shade and to be in the pool is almost too hot. I can't imagine that. But I know summer's coming. I know winter will end and I know summer will eventually be here and that season where we are in the pool and at the beach will come again and I will absolutely want to be in the pool. And then probably then, I won't imagine having the fire on and trying to you know, get up close to the fire. You know, we all have seasons in our life and these seasons come and go. But hopefully this psalm is showing you the order that we should be requesting to God. Knowing that these seasons God has for a reason and that he will, he will bring us out. But in this, David admits that he needs a saviour. He knows the season will come and go, but the Saviour is the one that will bring him out of that season. This is a cry for help to the one who saves. It is a post-praise. We have in helicopters, I'm a helicopter pilot, we have a pre-flight that we do that we look at the helicopter and we open all the cows, we look at the engine and we give it a really good once-over. We make sure nothing's leaking, nothing's broken, there's no stress fractures or everything's right to go. A pre-flight. And then after our flight, we have a post-flight. This is what a post-praise request is. It's an after-praise request. Now, these requests, especially in 13, you know, please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. This leads us to our last section, our third section in this psalm. And it's verses 16 to 17. If we can get that next slide up. Inside the attitude of knowing who saves, David finishes with praise and worship. And let's read that now. Verse 16. May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, 
The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my saviour. Oh my God, do not delay. David finishes with praise and worship. His submission to God is clear in verse 17. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. Isn't that, again, knowing where we stand with God and our place in God's family? It just reminds me that life is not all about me. You know, he's actually saying, I am poor and needy. You know, if you have time, Lord, Lord, keep me in your thoughts because I know you've got a lot going on, Lord. If you have time, keep me in your thoughts too. When we have stuff all together, we oftentimes think that we can do it on our own. And we were talking to the kids about this last night. If we were super rich, maybe we wouldn't, feel that we need God because we can deal with it on our own. If we got sick, we would be able to afford the best physicians. If we needed something, we would just be able to go out and pay for it. If we needed this or the kids needed that, we'd just be able to go out and just put the credit card down and know that we can afford it. But there's a part of being that humbleness that we now know that we need God by having this submission to God and know where we stand and that we have that humbleness before God. King David is saying, do not delay. I need you at this as soon as possible. It's not a, oh Lord, I've got it covered for another few days. If you can just, you know, look at me, you know, in a few days time to make sure I've got it covered. It's not a, I need you now, Lord. I need you now. Please come to me. It is that absolute at Jesus' feet at the altar. So what have we discussed in Psalm 40? is we've looked at praise. Then we know after praise, after intimacy, we have post-praise request. And then we finish our praise off. Now, kids, listen to me now. If we all follow this structure, this attitude, what would our relationships with God look like? What would our church look like? What would our family look like? Our worship, it's a whole life orientated towards God. That's what worship is. Everything we do, it's a life orientated towards God. Now, kids, I've been thinking about what a parable is. And, and I've, there's about 30-odd parables in, in Matthew alone. And, and Jesus used these parables to give the people that were listening greater understanding. You know, they were farmers and the like back in the day. So Jesus used these parables like, you know, the parable of the sower and the parable of the talents and the prodigal son, good Samaritan, the mustard seed. What could I use to help explain this psalm to you? And maybe the parents might enjoy it as well. So in my parable that I've I've organised with God's grace. I hope that I can join these two together. I'm on a fine line here. Pretend that every day we are on a helicopter flight. I'm a helicopter pilot. Uh, believe you, it's another job. It has good days and bad days. But I'm a helicopter pilot and I fly the marine pilots out at Newcastle. 
and I drop them off on the ships. They then guide the ships into Newcastle and I go back and wait for them to take those ships out and I go pick them up off the ships, land on the ships, I pick them up and I take them back to their office. Now pretend that every day we are on a helicopter flight, every single day, maybe multiple flights every day. I'm going to show you a clip now which is going to help, hopefully, God willing, us understand this parable. Now, if you can play this clip. If it doesn't work, maybe it's meant to be. It's not working, is it? Oh, it is working. Oh, okay. It's working. That one's not. Okay, so you can see that starting up, and we're looking at you know, doing our, our pre-flight or our, our, our startup checklist to make sure we're ready to go. Now, in a moment, you'll see the, the takeoff is like the first 10 verses. Here we go. My hands are on the controls. This is the most critical part of any flight is the takeoff. Hands are on the controls right now. I've activated autopilot and the hands can now monitor or be off the controls. You can see on my right hand, that's a cyclic, it's like a steering wheel. My hand is actually not touching because I've got autopilot engaged. I'm now heading out to the ship in the far distance. Again, autopilot is doing all the work for me. I am just monitoring. I'm dialing. I can see the vessel talking to God at the same time. I can see the ship. Again, I'm still on autopilot. It's now doing the procedural turn for me. Anyone can do this. <laughs> okay, now autopilot is disengaged. I'm back on the controls. I see the hatch, looking for any lugs, any obstructions, anything that's going to hurt my tail. Okay, land. The marine pilot then gets out. Thanks very much. He will then guide the captain into the ship or into the harbour. I then take off. My hands are back on the controls. He said, again, if we take my hands off the controls at this point, there is no doubt about it, we will crash. Now you can see that my hands are off the controls. I've engaged autopilot and I'm allowing autopilot to do its job and it lead me back into Newcastle where I can go and make a coffee and watch some fox. <laughs> Again, autopilot still engaged. Now I'm off autopilot on the controls. Again, hands on the controls. If I take my hands off the controls, the helicopter, which is always trying to bring me down, it will crash. The helicopter does not stay in the air by itself. It wants to crash me into the ground. It has so many moving parts. It goes against the laws of gravity for this thing to be in the air. Now, let's bring this parable to bring us light into what Psalm 40 is trying to tell us. You saw that the takeoff was hands on the controls. And I said this is the hardest part of any flight. Anyone who is getting in a helicopter 
will never be able to fly a helicopter by themselves unless they are trained because the takeoff is the hardest part. Hands on the controls. If you take your hands off the controls, you will crash. I'm saying if we take our hands off the worship controls, we will crash our lives. That's why the start of our day, our start of our flight must be worship. We have to have our hands on the controls and worship straight away. The start of every, you might have multiple flights throughout the day, but you must worship first, hands on the controls. If you don't worship, you will crash during your day. Then we can engage autopilot, okay? We can engage autopilot and then we do our post praise request. We can engage autopilot and allow God, the GPS, to take us to our destination. The GPS is the one we are hands off. We're monitoring, yes, but we're allowing God to take us to our destination. And on that journey, we're monitoring. But you're also talking to God and you're requesting. You're requesting to God and all His faithfulness and all His uh, goodness. We are asking God to help us during that time when autopilot's engaged. But the psalmist in this, only spends like a five-minute joy flight requesting before he gets back to praise, before he realises that he's only got so much fuel in the tanks that he has to land. So what does he do when he lands? Puts his hands back on the controls. Okay, because again, if we take our hands off the controls during landing and takeoff, there's no autopilot that can save him during that time. He has to be praising God first. And once he lands... Even in the howling wind that we sometimes encounter in our everyday lives, when we're in storms and there's rain on our windshield and we're struggling to find out which way's up and down, and the, and the AH, the artificial horizon, is, is wobbling because we're wobbling in our lives, it is then that we have to stay on the controls and we have to worship God. We have to praise Him. We have to praise Him. We have to praise Him, which will help us to realise where we stand on His great pecking order. Life is not about us, okay? We have to praise. And then kids and adults, once we land, we have to realise that we need more fuel on board. And what fuel do we need in our helicopters? We need the Word of God. We need the fuel that we put in our helicopters is the Word. It's good Christian music. It's great Christian friends. It's core group and it's church. We need this in our lives to fuel us to worship first on our next takeoff. So to summarise Psalm 40, we worship God at takeoff and it's hands on the controls and it's a actual decision that we make every day by worshipping first. We activate autopilot once we're airborne and we allow God to take over and we request God's help while we're flying around. But we only have so much fuel on board before we have to land again and worship some more. In this psalm, Praising God, it stirs our hearts towards joy so we can walk in hope-filled assurance of who God is. It's a reminder that God isn't done with us. Though things may look grim and seem low and be hard and stormy, His truth and word will hold us into eternity. You know, we sing these songs of praise to the God who saves us, who offers our salvation 
We praise the God who is strong enough to conquer sin and is gracious enough to do that for us. Psalm 40 sings praise to the God who chose not to stay separated from us, but but came to save us and restore us to himself. So what has this psalm shown us? Is we praise, we praise, and we praise. And then we offer up a post-praise request to God. And then we finish our flights and our days with praise, praise, and praise. And the structure of Psalm 40 orientates our hearts towards God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the privilege it's been for me to really soak in this psalm and how important it is for us all to praise you. Lord, you are so good. You're so good and gracious to us that with all that you've got going on, you still want a relationship with us. In fact, so much more than that, with all that you've got going on, you still offered up your son as a sacrifice so that he, through his life, his death and his resurrection, can bridge that gap between us sinners and God the Father. And now we have a bridge that we can cross. If we choose to accept that free gift from you, we can cross that bridge and be made righteous in front of you, God. But Lord, we have to choose it. We have to repent and know that we are sinners and we have to choose to put you Lord of our lives every day. And then we have to choose to praise you every day in that relationship with you as we grow closer to you. Because it's not just a set and forget. We don't just get in our flights and set it once and then never touch it again. Lord, it's a daily devotion and relationship with you. Well, I thank you for that. And I pray Psalm 40 will help us to praise, praise, praise. In your precious name, amen.